if your product touches anyone, then that person is probably going to consider themselves your stakeholder. My immediate stakeholders as one, my boss, and then also the people who are selling my product and the people who are marketing my product. Say I'm building something that touches billing, and so then I want to start to talk to the people who are in charge of the billing system. And once you start building that relationship, your product is going to be that much better because of it. Tell your team what's going on. I would say especially when it's terrible news, you need to be as collaborative and open and honest about it as you can. Hi, I'm Craig Kirsteins. And I'm Remus Silkaitis. And you're listening to Practical Product, a bi-weekly series where we discuss product management and some of the unique challenges we face in dealing with defining the right product and all of the coordination necessary to help teams build it right. Practical Product is brought to you by HeavyBit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on this show, or if you have a specific topic you'd like us to dive into, you can reach us at practicalproduct at heavybit.com or on Twitter at practicalprod. Today's guest, Kathy Simpson, who is a newly minted product manager at GitHub. Welcome. I I wouldn't say I'm newly minted. I've been a product manager for a long time, but I just started at GitHub. I should have clarified, yes. <laughs> Just started at GitHub, not newly minted. <laughs> the the I, details of communication are very, very important. Uh, today we're going to talk about stakeholders and stakeholder management. So could you, Kathy, give us like what your definition of a stakeholder is? Yeah, I, you know, I like to think about my stakeholders as my executive team, but it goes way beyond that. And especially, you know, the larger your product is, go- is getting, the more stakeholders you're going to encounter along the way, and they can be sales marketing, uh, other engineers, engineering managers, other product managers. Basically, like if your product touches anyone, then that person is probably going to consider themselves your stakeholder. So that sounds like everyone. Yeah. How do you narrow in on it? Like, is it always the case that you've got to please everyone? Because that sounds already out of the gate impossible. Absolutely not. So that's why I like to think of my immediate stakeholders as one, my boss, uh, and then also my the, my executive team. And those are the people who care about the business. And so that's usually what I narrow in on. And then also the people who are selling my product and the people who are marketing my product. And that's usually one one person on sales, one person on marketing. And you want to develop a relationship with those people because they're going to tell you who else you need to talk to on the team or they can be your evangelist. So, so far you've named a lot of stakeholders that are internal to the organization. What happened to all the customers? I thought product managers were the, the, the voice cares, of the customer. Who cares about customers? <laughs> yeah, customers are a huge part of your stakeholder team, and those are the people that you're going to want to engage with early on and then throughout the process, especially as you start to you know think about um, releasing your product. You want to get it out in front of customers and get early customer feedback, et cetera. I thought you, when you build products, you don't have to talk to customers if you don't want to. So are they really your stakeholder? You don't have to talk to customers if you don't want to, but if you do that, then you're likely going to release something that's pretty risky. It could totally fail. I like to talk to customers so that I know what their what their temperature is, and I can uh, engage with them. I can start to wrap stuff back there. I can start to wrap their feedback back into what I'm building, and you can start to develop a narrative with them, and so they know kind of what's coming down the line. They know what your themes are. And also, as a product manager, your customers, my customers are usually really excited to talk to me, even if their feedback isn't going to get into the product itself. They just want to be heard. 
That sounds like a lot of work. I prefer just to build the right thing and not have to talk to customers. It's a lot easier that way. But only if you're Craig, then you can do that. <laughs> so there's some some things in there that you hit on, like your boss is a you know a common stakeholder, but that's kind of a constant stakeholder. How about on like a project by project project basis? How do you go about saying? Who are my stakeholders for this project? What's that inventory that you do? Or do you just kind of know out of the gate? What's, you know, for someone going through this the first time, what input would you give of, it's a new project, wh what do you start with? I look at the different integration layers. And so it, let's say I'm building something that touches billing. And so then I want to start to talk to the people who are in charge of the billing system. And I want to talk to, um, and maybe, you know, if I'm, I'm, I work primarily on the front end, and so usually my stakeholder involves an engineering manager who um, is operating the API and building out the back end. And so that's another person that I want to talk to. So I look for those integration points and then I identify those key players as my stakeholders. Likely I will be working with their team specifically, maybe, maybe even them to actually build out those systems. So we all need to be on the same page. I need to create buy-in um, with, or I, I need them to buy into the project, et cetera. So how's that process work? So like the, from the initial buy-in, like we've talked to it at a high level, but like what cadence are you setting up? Is it like one kickoff meeting? Is it weekly check-ins? You said, you know, build that relationship, build that rapport. How are you going about doing that like on a day-to-day -day basis? So yes, a kickoff meeting is awesome. Uh, and then I usually try to set up one-on-ones. I err on the side of weekly one-on-ones. And this, you know, and, and it, this is going to vary from PM to PM and how much time you have. I put a lot of stake in my relationships and making sure that I'm clearly communicating. A lot of times as you're engaging with different stakeholders, it could be that they have never talked to a product manager before and they feel kind of slighted by the product management team. And so if you encounter that, I encourage you to really go there and talk to that person often and build that relationship because likely they, they either were just forgotten or a product manager didn't have enough time to talk to them. And they just didn't have the opportunity to build that relationship with the product team. And so if that happens to you, you have that opportunity. And once you start building that relationship, your product is going to be that much better because of it. it it'll become easier for you to collaborate with that stakeholder. So I do weekly one-on-ones. I don't like bi-weeklies because they usually get canceled. And, and I don't like monthlies because it tends to be too much time. So I really like weekly one-on-ones. And it can just be 15 minutes. It doesn't have to be a whole hour. And I usually include, if depending on the level of the stakeholders' involvement, I'll include them in stand-ups and and uh, like weekly readouts. So the readouts. CEO usually shows up to your your weekly stand-up. Always, the CEO is so interested in what I'm doing; they're always there. <laughs> oh, so to 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 play off that a little bit, is it possible to build those relationships just through written communication, just through email or Slack, let's say? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to to do email and to do Slack, I think it depends on what level of relationship you are looking for. And also it depends on, like I was saying earlier, the, the, the relationship that that person has to the product team may be slightly damaged. And if that's the case, I it would encourage you to do it face-to-face, -face, whether that's actually in person or over a hangout or something like that, just to start to develop the, those, that communication style because there's a lot that is said just in looking at somebody, and that can that stuff can be totally lost in email. So what I'm hearing is that no, you cannot build relationships via Slack and email. You have to talk. You have that to talk depends, to Remus. <laughs> it depends on it depends on the level of involvement you really need from them. 
And I guess my example here would be if, if they, you know, if they are somebody who could totally squash your project, you do not want to surprise them in any way. And that's probably going to require a one-on-one, one-on-one time. Um, a lot of times, so the people that I, in my life, that could squash my projects, they're usually uh, VP le- level or above. And those people are really hard to get a hold of. So there are certain tactics that you can use to get those people's attention. They're probably not going to read your email. And so what I do is I stand outside the meeting room that they're in and I grab them as they're coming out and I'll say, hey, you know, I really need you to look at this real fast. You have 10 minutes, you have five minutes, you have two minutes, you have time to grab coffee, that kind of stuff. Yeah, though, let me walk with you to your next meeting and chat is a great kind of quick tactic, which doesn't feel like it's on their calendar, but you get that FaceTime. But I also think it comes back to their style, right? Like some, you know, I find this more in engineers, right? Love that written communication, but sometimes it's engineering managers as well that for them, a written communication is just concise, clear. It's the way they communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you've cu- hit on a couple times that, you know, what if the relationship to product management is, is damaged? How do you know that? Like, how do I, like, not just assume it's good? How do you, what are the signs that they probably had some bad relationship with, you know, product before, not engaging with them? What is the sign that I actually need to put more time in without having known that? They'll tell you that they have never had a conversation with product management before. Uh, That's a huge sign. Uh, There's other things like I talked to this one product manager and I completely didn't disagreed with what they said or I didn't understand what they're saying or things like I always get left out of the conversation, that kind of stuff. And, you know, this this happened to me. I went while I was at Heroku. I worked on a lot of a lot of the UI pieces there. And a bunch of the projects I worked on crossed many different teams, specifically the team that was managing our billing system. And the billing system was really complicated, so it was almost scary for, if you're a product manager or an engineer, it was almost scary for you to interact with it because it was so nimble and so large that it was really hard to get any momentum there. And so people would just avoid working on projects that touched the billing system. I had to because we had to make it possible for customers to remove their credit cards. because It was costing us a lot of money. You still could, but it was costing us money in support. And so I wanted to I wanted to make it possible for them to self-serve there. And so I started to build a relationship with that team and with some of the tactics that I talked about, weekly one-on-ones and really starting to listen to what their pain was working with the product management team. When I presented uh, what we were going to build to the person who led that team, the feedback was, I want every single product manager to run their project the way Kathy's running this project. And so that's when I knew I was successful. Uh, And that's also when I knew there was so much pain there that came before I even tried to do anything. Now, how much can like us as product managers start to preempt some of this, right? So uh, we're, we're talking about stakeholders in specific projects, but that was because you had a project with the billing team like, what's the opportunity to improve things ahead of time? Yeah, I think if you ever have any downtime, I think you should pick somebody in the org, and it doesn't matter who who they are, what level they are, but pick them out and have like a 30-minute discovery conversation with them. Right now at GitHub, I just started, so it's a really great time for me to do this as I'm onboarding and getting to know the organization. But I don't plan to stop, especially as new people, new people join the organization and you know things change there are reorgs and things like that i plan to continue to have conversations with people whether it's actually booking a meeting which the company is largely remote so that'll probably happen 
or if it's just let's go grab let's go grab coffee or let's go grab lunch or whatever. And I, I realize it's not always like usually product managers are pretty extroverted. I am not, and so it's not always easy for me to meet new people. But it's critical for my job. Uh, you could have fooled me. I think you're pretty extroverted already. <laughs> Uh, one of the things that I notice when I talk to stakeholders, no matter what, is they always ask about deadlines. How do you manage that with stakeholders, especially those that are VP level and above that are, care about the business and when you're going to deliver things, or even sales or marketing for that matter? Yeah, I've seen cases where you know they a CEO heard a deadline or a timeline for something once, immediately repeated it to a customer, and then had to apologize profusely as that timeline came and went. And you know the the project was still nowhere in sight. Usually, dates are, and maybe not usually, but in my experience, dates are somewhat arbitrary, and they start from rumor. And so, what I try to do is dig in on what is behind the date, what's the driver, and if it's um, if it's something I can navigate around, then I'll try to do that. But I think the most important thing for a stakeholder to understand is not necessarily that you are or are not going to ship by that date, but what are the what are the ramifications of that? What is it that you are actually trying to get done? And that's a conversation that you can have with your stakeholder around like, okay, if we you want to ship by February 1st, what is that? What can we ship? What does that mean to you? What is included in that product that you're going to ship? And so maybe if I'm feeling like this is too much for us to get done by that date and we're going to have to push it out to March, there are probably things that I can cut back from scope so that I can meet their goals and ship on February 1st, but maybe not with the whole product. But the stakeholder keeps pressing you. I want all this stuff by this time. They, they don't understand the triangle of project management. Wait, I said project management, right? No? Yes. Uh, time, scope, money, right? They want all of it. Why can't they have it? I mean, there's a reality we're working with here. There's all, there's a lot of pressure that they're putting on the team. But they're giving you more engineers to, to go get it done faster. Then I'll get it done faster. I mean, there is, you, you work with scope, you work with, what you, with the levers that you have, right? And so you need to, one, understand, okay, they promised it to a customer. What does that mean? How important is that? If we, if we slip on the date, then what is that going to mean for the business? Are we going to lose money? Or if it's like, we need to get this ship for this specific conference. Like, I think those things are really important to understand for so that I know how to cut scope, I know how to push my team, and I know all of the parameters that I'm working with. So when I need to pull those levers, I can. And my team doesn't feel like they're being lashed all over the place. Have you ever fired a stakeholder? Hmm. I don't know. I don't so, know that I have. And ever once you've just said, look, you're not you're not a good input to this project. Maybe it'd be a customer, an executive, an individual on a team. One time I did have, um, I, I was working, this is when I was an engineer, and uh, I, this was before, this is like my transition into product management, where you know I feel like this happens to a lot of product managers where you're doing product management before you realize that that's what you're doing. Of course. And, and you realize I was, there's an actual job around this? And, yeah, oh, totally, you know? totally. Uh, and so I was working as an engineer and I was um, trying, we, this is when I worked at an agency, a design agency. So we did a lot of greenfield work and we were trying to figure out what the, um, what the infrastructure systems were that we wanted to use for the specific product. It had, uh, it had a front end and mostly mobile. And this 
woman was a newly minted design or a newly minted director of engineering, and she didn't understand what a serve uh, what a what a uh, staging server was. And when I realized that, I realized that she was going to be one hard to work with, but then two, she was probably going to slow our project down because. I would then have to, you know, do a lot of education about what we were because what we were trying to accomplish. Right. Yeah, because deadlines, and also, uh, I just it, that kind that kind of a level of understanding of what we were trying trying to do. It just it seemed like it, we were going to butt heads a lot, and she was going to derail the project and things like that. So yeah, after I realized that, I didn't necessarily fire her directly, but I did talk to my boss about it, and she wasn't on the project after that. So I think it's important. I mean, I guess. That was when I was very young in my career too. I definitely could have handled that differently, but I did recognize that that was a threat to our success. And so I tried to go and do what I could to solve that situation. Any instances where you've done that for a segment of customers? I think anytime you fire a customer, it's really interesting because it's a hard conversation. We're not the right thing. What I find is it invigorates the engineers that it's like you, you have their back, right? Like this was a customer causing problems it wasn't the right fit, like support was over the top or whatever reason. And it was causing some pain that you had to fire them. Hopefully it wasn't just for no reason, in which case that's a very different, whole other episode conversation. Yeah, you know, I, te- I tend to find the firing of customers to be really a, a one-off thing, not necessarily pulling out particular personas from the product. So I find this more prevalent in B2B style software companies where you, know, you have more hands-on with the customers that you're working with in which you know, the use case that they have does not meet what you're trying to build anymore. And in those cases, that's when you need to divorce them from, you know, what you're building or what you're serving. I mean, I guess in my, in my experience, particularly working on the front end and shipping products around front end experiences and UI UX, it's not necessarily that we're firing a customer. It's that we're refocusing our efforts somewhere else. So it's like you're firing a lot of customers at once. Yeah, I mean, we'll get we'll get uh, a lot of, or we'll get one nasty support uh, ticket about something that might not necessarily impact a lot of our customers, but it feels really embarrassing to the engineers, and they want to fix it, but it's going to take a long time. That's a conversation you have to have with them about, you know, what what is the most important thing that we need to be working on here? Can we live with this pain for a little bit? Sometimes you can't. Sometimes sometimes it means incurring technical debt that all of that kind of stuff and so you have that conversation um but a lot of times it means you're just refocusing so we started to talk a little bit about like the engineers that we collaborate with on these things um how much do you communicate everything that you've learned and engaged with from the stakeholders down to the engineers or is it kind of abstracted away that like you're the this barrier so that they don't have to see it or deal with it or is it very transparent of I got this from them and we're changing because of this. How much are you a kind of a buffer or is it like you take it, but then distill it and let it flow through to them? I try to be as collaborative as I can with my engineering team. And sometimes that's great. Sometimes that's really scary for certain engineers. And I think you kind of have to step in it as a product manager to feel that out. Um, but I I would err on more information because what I what I see if I try to buffer the team from what's happening at the stakeholder um, or executive level, what I see happening is they develop a fear of stakeholders and they want you that then you're kind of their safety blanket. 
And then also they're not included in those decisions. You're making at that point when I'm when I'm taking the work of my team and I'm presenting it on behalf of them to my executive team. And then we have a conversation about that work. My team needs to understand that I'm not trying to change anything. I'm not trying to brainstorm around them. And so it's really important for me to distill that or to translate that information to them in a way that's really collaborative. Now, what about when it's like terrible news, right? Like even when it's terrible come news. in and, and it's like, nope, you've got to ship it twice as fast because we have to have it for X, Y, Z. I would say, especially when it's terrible news, you need to be as collaborative and open and honest about it as you can. If marketing come back, comes back and says, we need to ship it twice as fast for X, Y, Z, the people who are going to be able to execute on that, are go- they're the team. And they're the, they're the people who can be creative about that and try to think through, you know, first, they're gonna, they're gonna be pissed. And they're gonna be pissed at the messenger, and that's you. And it's gonna. It all, de- suck. it all depends on how you point the finger at marketing, because they could just like <laughs> they could be totally fine with you, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, you could totally point. I mean, like, yeah, cl- behind closed doors or whatever. But uh, they're still gonna be pissed, and that sucks to piss your team off with that kind of information. And there's probably things that you, as a product manager, feel like you could have done differently to avoid that situation. Fact of the matter is, these situations come up. And if you have bad information, don't be an ostrich. Just tell your team what's going on. Yeah, it's it's usually I usually like mourn through it. Like, all right, let's let's grab a beer, let's grab a bottle, let's vent, and then let's figure out how to get it done. Yeah, exactly. So, what's the worst experience you've had with stakeholders? I've probably had worse than this, but in recent memory, I mean, it really, really sucks when your stakeholders yell at you in front of other people. Uh, and this, it happens. And I was trying to, this one time I was trying to figure out this really complicated project that as it was like one of those projects where you start to uncover more bits of information and there's just like more squirrely worms under there. Mm -hmm. I was uncovering all of the information I needed for my project, but then getting really distracted by all of these different intertwined pieces that were then going to result in other projects. And, you know, I I wanted to solve all of it. And before I was able to really package it in a really cohesive way, I went to one of my stakeholders and I asked, what should I do here? And, you know, kind of explained what I was seeing, but it was, I didn't explain it in a way, you know, this is kind of a lesson in know your audience also. Like I really should have done the, the heavy lifting to present the information in a better way, but I was trying to be pretty collaborative about it. And he basically said, I think you're being schizophrenic right now. And it was to the whole, he said it to me in front of all of the rest of the product managers on my team. I feel like my job would just drop. I mean, I think I, you know, I still I had a goal, which was to find a path forward through all of this project cruft. Uh, so I still, I had that on my brain and I, I was pretty determined to get to it. But I remember looking around the room and there was another, there was a the design director sitting on the other side of the table and she stopped the conversation and said, wait, let's just thank Kathy for what she's doing here. And that was at that moment that I realized how serious the conversation was and how inappropriate it was for him to call me schizophrenic. Yeah, I mean, I, I can think of my reaction. I'm actually curious on Remus's, like, I don't, I think that would, frown more on the person that made the statement. Yeah, the person making the statement, that's definitely a faux pas just in terms of work and interacting with other individuals on the teams because it's one thing to uh, 
say something like that. It's another to uh, attack the work that's being done. And I think that's the a clear distinction there is that it's one thing to talk about the the actual work being done and what is being presented rather than focus on the individual making those statements. For me, coming out of that conversation, the biggest risk there was that I would not want to bring information to my stakeholders after having an experience like that with them. And I think, you know, as as I become a stakeholder on other people's projects, I think about that moment and I think about how important it is for me to stay engaged with them so that they don't feel afraid to talk to me about things. So we've talked a lot about kind of like managing it proactively up front, engaging in a good way. There's probably a lot of people listening that come into this and think I'm in this situation. I haven't done X, Y, Z. I'm in the middle of a project. Like, how do you, where do you start there? Like, yeah, I always tell people in this situation and I always remind myself when I get in this situation, because it doesn't matter how senior I get. There's always times I forget to talk to somebody. And the moment I realize that I have forgotten something or that I realize that something is off the rails is the, is the moment I have to go talk to that person. Don't wait any longer. Just And you can apologize and say, I'm sorry I didn't engage you in the, in the beginning. That you know, Take the blame for it. Don't let your ego get in the way. Just have that conversation. Okay, so let's bring it back to tactics for stakeholders. How do you present to those stakeholders? What kind of information are you looking to provide? And frankly, do product managers just create PowerPoint decks all day? Uh, yes, they do. I prefer <laughs> Keynote, but, but <laughs> fine. Google, you know, slides, whatever. I mean, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of Google documentation too and Slack messaging and all of that. Um, it, you know, in terms of tactics, it totally depends on where you are in your project and uh, how who who is the stakeholder that you're talking to. If I'm talking to my boss, I'm probably going to show them some of my um, early thinking so that I can collaborate with them. Even though they're a stakeholder, I'm still kind of leveraging them as a collaborator. Are those just design docs or? Yeah, all kinds of artifacts. And and since I sit on the front end of the product, usually I will um, document stuff out in a flow so that it's easier for me to talk to, talk through it. Also, learn how your boss takes information and learn how these people are who you're kind of collaborating with at that lower level in a stakeholder conversation. How, how do they take information? Because if I just write up like a, a huge long RFC or something like that, my design director may not understand, like they'll probably fully understand it, but they don't, they won't like it. And maybe I should be actually whiteboarding with them instead. So, you know, I think as a, as a product manager, you innately have a bunch of skills to communicate in different ways. So pick up on those, you know, those ways that other people are taking in information and and meet them, provide documentation and workflows and things like that where that they can easily digest because that's when they're going to be the most collaborative with you and they're going to be able to give you a lot of information you need. As somebody that may be new to a team or new to an organization, do you just guess? Can you just go into them and say, how do you like your information? Straight up? You totally can. <laughs> you totally can. You can say, how is this going to be most useful for you? Do you? Would you like me to document this out? Should we, should we whiteboard it? You know, sit next to a whiteboard so you can, you can kind of pick up on those cues in the moment and say like, hey, you know, maybe it's easier if we draw a Venn diagram or something like that. And I think you'll see it in the way they like naturally communicate, right? Like you can ask them, but if they write up huge long emails, right? That's one way. If they're constantly in Slack, it's more ad hoc, interactive. If it's, you know, hey, they want to see it wireframed. If it's marketing that wants to draft blog posts before they look at the product features, mm -hmm. like how do they 
most interact. And you can see that coming out, I think as, you know, product managers, we have to adapt to everyone else and their style to make their life easier. Uh, whereas most other people, when you're in that same role, you're interacting that way constantly. So, yeah. so I think shaping to whatever they're just naturally doing is key. Oh, got it. So really, it depends on the person that you're really working with. Yeah, and I, I'll just add that I like to engage my um, my executive team, my stakeholder team, at uh, key moments in the project. And so, you know, kind of you can you can invite some of them to the kickoff. I probably wouldn't invite all of the higher level ones, but you can send them uh, an email update on what happened in the kickoff. What I like to do also is prepare a a presentation. Do the keynote, do the PowerPoint, and then get on the agenda at their executive briefing meeting and then go in and do like a five-minute update on what are my product principles, what am I trying to accomplish, here's some early mocks or something like that of what, what we think this, this product is going to look like. Chances are they really care about what's going on and they can give you some really good feedback about the direction you're trying to take. And so I like to do that early on so that I'm, I'm kind of protecting myself from surprises later on in the project and I can get that feedback. So when I do that before you know, taking a step back from that meeting, as I'm preparing that documentation, I'll shop it around. I'll go to a few of those key people. Like let's say if I'm, if I'm presenting it to the CEO, VP of product, VP of engineering, VP of sales, I'll go to the VP of product and I'll say, hey, here's, here's my deck, here's what I'm thinking. I'll go to the CEO and say, here's my deck, here's what I'm thinking. And then I'll go to the larger group as a whole. And I like to kind of err on the side of over-preparing for that so I know what's I know what's coming and how the conversation will go. I usually get some surprise questions, but you can kind of navigate through that, especially if you, if you do over-prepare because then you're learning all of the content yourself really well. And then I also like to uh, follow that up with kind of a mid-project check-in, very similar style. I'm kind of building off of that deck. And usually in my decks, I'll say in the beginning that this is a living document. It'll change over time. And each time, if I'm presenting on the same product, each time I'll present kind of the same uh, style. And so if my if my deck is themed with like hearts and daisies, then the deck in mid-project is going to be themed hearts and daisies. So then they'll start to pick up on, okay, this, we've seen this before. They're more comfortable with it, especially if you're delivering bad news they're not going to feel surprised. Got it. Is there particular information that you tailor to CEO level individuals, VP level individuals versus those that may be lower in the bowels of the organization? I mean, what I'm trying to really trying to get at is do you really need to go super deep on that information that you're providing to those super high levels in the organization? Uh, no, you don't. So a lot of times I'll prepare a larger document and then I'll print it back to an executive brief where I'm just like, let's say, you know, it's like 30 slides. I'm going into detail on everything. I'll still include all that information in the executive brief, but I put it in an appendix and then I give them links to those pages if they really want to dig in on it. But I try to give them the the snapshot of what's going on and usually the only page they care about is the timeline and so i'll i'll so go put over that right at the front so they know the exact times that things are going to be delivered and they'll come and ask you know a week out is everything i think okay? that's another episode the art <laughs> the art of crafting a vague timeline i think is a is an important skill to have <laughs> okay so artifacts you know we talk about how you might need to tailor them at various levels of the organization 
once a project completes and you get to some notion of shipping this this feature product whatever it may be what do you do with stakeholders after that point do you still engage with them like does anything need to happen yeah, I mean, I think so in the beginning, you should have had a hypothesis about how people are going to be interacting with your product and been implementing some level of way to collect information about to, to either prove or disprove that hypothesis. In my case, it's usually user events. And then I'm piping those user events to some database somewhere. Yeah, we love databases, but we particularly love SQL. I mean, granted, I don't enjoy I actually, using MySQL. I, but... I usually use Redis. Wait, that's not a database. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, this is a future episode too. As a product manager who is not a data PM, don't try to recommend what database to use. Let your engineers do that. That sounds like there's a whole other story in there, which is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you know where we you know where to get your data. You're using SQL to get your data, and you're asking the right questions. What you're gonna want to present back to your stakeholders is what's happening now that you've launched this thing, and how is it affecting your company's MAU? How is it? How are people spending their time with your product? And or their money? Are they spending money? And what does that look like? Because uh, then once, and then you start reporting that out and then you start thinking about how you're going to scale this thing, how you're going to improve it. Maybe you implemented some things in a weird way. You need to go back and fix those. And so there's always follow along projects after you launch something that was potentially, you know, like Greenfield or something like that. And so you want, you want to present all that stuff out and chances are your company has some methodology for uh, re- reporting out information, whether it's like a demo day or whether it's uh, emails or like a company internal company blog or something like that, there's probably going to be some kind of API to access or to use. Yeah, and I think uh, in my experience, executives are always going to ask what's next. Like, great, here's the report, but I'm already thinking about the next thing. So where do you go from here? What's next? Like going into that prepared of like some hypotheses, you may not know of the next project. Like you're not ready to do the next kickoff yet. There's still cleanup work. They're already thinking about the next thing, though. So having some idea and direction of that is usually helpful. Yeah, and you don't have to come up with that idea on your own. If they're, you know, if you're in the in the meeting with them and they're like, "What's next, product manager? What is your like big idea for what we're what we're doing?" You have full right to say, uh, "I don't really know," and let's talk about that. Let's brainstorm about that because they know the business probably better than you do, and. If, you know, like if they're asking, they probably have an idea and they probably want to tell you. And so just ask them to tell you. So we've covered a lot of of strategic things, a lot of the coordination, a good bit of the tactical. Any like other just practical tips that someone should like keep in mind and know, like to leave people with, like what have we not covered about like this is the most useful thing I've found in dealing with stakeholders that that someone should, you know, have in their their toolbox? Um, You know, I'm... I I don't know if I sound like I'm comfortable talking with stakeholders and executive team or not, but I'm always a little bit terrified. And I I think probably the most important thing that I think of is I, I am the expert in the room about this specific product. And, and once I start thinking about that, like I kind of think about it like skiing. Like I grew up in Alaska, and so I, I grew up with skis attached to my feet. And so I think about it as you're kind of like, Going into that executive room, it's almost like you're standing 
at the top of a hill and you're about to take off and you and it's like presenting is almost like going into the fall line like I'm in full control I know where my edges are and I know you know what my hands are doing and everything and at that point it becomes really exhilarating because then you're you know you know what you're doing you're the expert on this product you're presenting it to people who also really know the product well and they're going to be able to give you advice and steer you in the right direction so I think it's you know the, for me as I'm going in there and as I'm you know, preparing to be kind of you know, slightly freaked out, it's important for me to remember how exciting it is. Thanks, Kathy, for being on the show today. It was wonderful to have you on. Yeah, no problem. It was great to be here. And by the way, GitHub is hiring. So if you're a product manager and you're looking for your next role or you just want to talk to us about product management and what it's like there, reach out. Uh, you can go to the GitHub job page and check us out. Thanks again. Yeah, you're welcome. That's all we have time for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you have a PM topic you'd like us to dive into, you can reach us at practicalproducts at heavybit.com or on Twitter at practicalprod. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 